that you could stay in Connecticut, but we could go eat in Massachusetts, but we couldn't anyway. It was just like, I don't know, right? COVID doesn't follow you when you're eating, but if you're sleeping and you're, I don't know, it's just crazy. I, and I'm not saying that, I, that it's not something that we try to follow. We do and be cautious and we try to do all the things that we can, but um, here we are. And I was talking to some of our men today, just it's still, as it has been always, up to me whether or not I will let the Holy Ghost flow through me and wash me and cleanse me. It's up to me whether I raise my hands. It's up to me whether I uh, praise the name of the Lord and worship Him. It's up to me. I can say, well, it's uh, the way I was raised. It's the way I brought up. It's, it's still my will. That's why Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's a, that's a hard uh, concept sometimes to be willing to listen to. But I'm thankful you're here. We are growing apostolic legacy. And that means that we have a great history, but we are apostolic. And uh, I do appreciate all of those that are here on this Labor Day weekend tonight. We don't have service because of Labor Day. And uh, so you get a break uh, for a few hours anyway, I guess. And you can get the pressure relief off. I don't know. Uh, and Labor Day is uh, that supposedly this holiday designed to relieve the pressure. It's been a hard working summer and now all workers we honor for Labor Day. And uh, not all workers get off because of hospitals and emergency personnel and all kinds of other things that go on. But, but we try to honor the fact that we say, <clears throat> this is the moment in the spring, uh, honoring our veterans and military, and then in the Labor Day, honoring all workers, and uh, means you won't get your mail tomorrow, and you won't be able to go to the bank and make uh, the big deposit that you were going to make. Uh, it'll be closed. Well, but now I think they have drive-through or all-night things. Maybe you can still do that. But anyway, all of that is tomorrow, and yet. I, I said pressure relief because um, I don't know about you, but if, if you've been feeling kind of what everybody else has been feeling, somewhat you feel like you are in a, a vice and you are, uh, I, this is not responding, so I'll have to let you do it up there. Uh, <clears throat> you're sort of in, in the pressure cooker, if you will. Anybody ever felt that way? Like you were being pressed from all sides, you know? And uh, all of a sudden, uh, unfortunately, what happens with an old-fashioned pressure cooker is at some point it explodes and, you know, you have beans all over the ceiling and on the walls and everywhere. For those of you who've never canned or whatever, don't uh, just know that that was uh, one of the fun things that uh, used to happen with, with ladies as they were putting in a garden. And so here we are in that sense of uh, under the pressure cooker. And Jesus himself talked about that 
in Luke the 21st chapter uh, when he said, uh, you know, um, that uh, there shall be signs in uh, the heavens, uh, signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, I, I know we have, uh, you know, and, and um, we, we have that feeling in all of us at this moment of the what's going to happen next and what's the other shoe and and you know you 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 think okay well maybe you know after the election it'll all be away and then then it's football and then it's you know well maybe this and I, I you know and then uh, you know the Big Ten said they're not going to play and and uh, the Southeast Conference says well that's good and we don't need them anyway and and uh, the ACC's doesn't care and, and and there's just what's going to happen and then what's going to happen and what's going to happen with the stress and the distress and the stuff that's coming and the pressure. And if you look at those words in Luke, it says that the, the upon the earth distress, that dis word dis distress in the Greek, if you will read the meaning, it means a narrowing. It means a pressure. It means like being put in a vice. It says that upon the earth, distress of nations. And, and we're facing that because, you know, we need to open the economy and we need to get things rolling. And yet we are faced with how many more will die. And then yet we need this, and but we can't have that. And then we have this. And, and it's like, okay, well, you know, we, you know, we need to stop all of the, the violence and the riots, but then we need not the police to be brutal. And so pressure, pressure, pressure. Huh? I know what I'm talking about? Feeling that sense of, when you read it in the Greek, a narrowing. And then it says, uh, with perplexity. That word perplexity means quandary of, what do I do? Who has the answer? And, and it's easy for me to say, well, the president's not doing enough. Well, what do you want him to do? Well, Congress is not doing enough. Well, what should they do? Well, you shouldn't have to. And then you read one report and it says, well, it doesn't, the virus doesn't last on shopping carts, but you have to wear a mask. And you're in a quandary. Well, if I, do I, if I put a mask on the shopping cart, I mean, I don't, yeah, I just don't know. And it's a quandary. And then you hear one report and you read another report and somebody says, well, that's fake. And then that's, and then, you know, you read somebody else and you hear somebody else and you hear this and you hear that and you're just in a quandary. And I don't know if you felt that way in the last few months, but a few of us have just felt in a quandary of, well, what do we do? How do we respond? And do I send my kids back to school? But is there a danger? And do the teachers go? And, you know, if a teacher's got bad health, do they try to go? Or do they take early retirement? Or I, I'm in a quandary, perplexity, and the seas and waves roaring, and then men's hearts failing them for fear. 
And we know what that is. Fear there is phobias. It's the Greek word for phobias and just anxiety and stress and pressure. Spirits. Anybody felt any of that? And I, you know, I, I, I read the report wherever it was and it said they found somebody had medicine and, and the USPS hadn't delivered medicine and there were chickens that somebody had mailed in the mail and the chickens were dead because they didn't deliver them because of the, all the problems with the post office. Dead chickens, no medicine. Maybe no bills, that would have been a good thing, but they always seem to deliver my bills, I don't know. Anyway, all the stuff, the quandary, the pressure, the stress, fear, anxiety. And I, I sent a check to a worker down in Arkansas who was doing some work and I, I mailed it on Monday and I, by Wednesday I called and Thursday I called. Finally Friday they go, it came today. Why? Because I'm like, I don't want you to feel like I haven't mailed it. I'm not sure. And it used to be that mail would run a little quicker, but whatever, for whatever reason. And then it said, for looking after or expecting those things which are coming on the earth, future calamities. If you don't think this is bad enough, we have global warming. And future calamities. A big crater appeared in Russia from the, as the Siberia is beginning to thaw, big pockets of methane gas have been escaping into the atmosphere and they said it's more serious than carbon dioxide and so it was the equivalent of, of several thousands and thousands of car exhaust all of a sudden in one little burp went up into the air and now we're going to all burn up. Well, I know the Bible says that we're going to do all of that. But you know, coming disasters says for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. You go on and keep reading 27th verse, 28th verse of that same chapter. He says, and when these things begin to come to pass, when these things begin to come to pass, what are we supposed to do? Amen. Look up. <laughs> that means when you read that Greek word, it means to actually get excited, to be yes. elated, to be happy. And I don't feel like being happy. All that stuff going on, I'm in a quandary. I don't, I don't like it. I'm supposed to rejoice a little bit and lift up your heads. That means literally lift them up, stand up, raise your face to the heavens. Well, I, I want to. I don't want that. I don't want. I don't want to have to have that attitude. I want to. You know, it's tough. It's bad. But why? Because my redemption draws not. Deliverance is approaching. And I'm here to tell you, I still believe what the word of the Lord says. Redemption draws not. Deliverance is on the way. I don't know if it'll be this week, if it'll be this month, if it'll be before the election, if it'll be after the election, if it'll be next year, in the next five years. But I'm here to tell you that deliverance is on the way. Your job is to look up, is to be exalted, is to praise and worship and magnify the Lord. And yet, the more stress you're under, the more pressure you're under, the more you want to try to get some relief. And then there's all the problems that go 
with trying to find relief. And the Bible, if you're not careful, you can think, well, Solomon tried to escape uh, the pressure into pleasure and and uh, having a harem and education and working and you read Ecclesiastes all the things that Solomon tried but he was looking for relief where? Under the sun. Under the sun. And finally he got toward the end at the 12th chapter he began to realize a vision of you know I got to focus on the creator. I've got to lift up my head. I've got to look up. I've got to get in touch with the Lord. I've got to let the Holy Ghost flow through me. Although I know they didn't have the Holy Ghost like we have. But it was a sense of I've got to get in touch with the Spirit of God. Job, the same thing. I mean, we read his physical ailments, illnesses. And I know we've had a rash of, of situations. And I... I, I was with Brother David Glover Tuesday and yesterday and spent several minutes with him over those couple of days. And Tuesday he was able to talk and communicate. In fact, he, he had it, Connie, he says, go in there and show him that suit and went in the closet. He had a brand new suit. He said, I, I'm going to get stronger. I want to wear this to church. And I, I'm thinking when he's saying that, you know, oh Lord, I, I don't know what's going on. But, and, and, and he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I, I, my, my mind, my heart, my emotions, my thought is getting into the presence of Almighty God. I don't care if you're in your last few hours or dying or your last week on earth. My heart, my thought ought to be I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. I'm going home. I'm fixing to leave this world behind. There's nothing here for me. My, my affections are set on things above. Say, well, I want to I wanna look good. I want to dress up. I want to have a nice thing. I want to have an eye. I, I know all oh, that's wonderful. And I want to have fun. And I just, you know, I want to have a good time. I want to escape. And you remember Job's wife basically told him in the middle of his stuff, why don't you just escape? Why don't you curse God and die? Don't even think about God anymore. And I know we have, what's, what's frightening is that when you read the statistics that are coming in from these few months of COVID, or suicide rates are going up and, and involvement in alcoholism and then uh, pornography and all the escape methods are, are increasing during this time. And they're looking at these things. Well, you know, and then, then folks look at the church and say, well, can't you have fun? Does living for God mean that you never get a chance to be refreshed? Do you never have a chance to have fun and just, you know, let your hair down? And then if you read some scriptures in the Bible, you know, in Hebrews 11th chapter, the Bible says Moses avoided or traded in the temporary of pleasure for sin for a season. Because there's pleasure in sin. And he said he gave that up. Why? Rather choosing to be with the children of God rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Paul told Timothy in his second book that in the last days people will be lovers of what? Pleasure more than lovers of God. I just want to have, I just want to have a drink. I just want to have a, one, one this. I just want to have one of that. I just want to have something to relax, to escape, to break the pressure, to break the mundane. And I've heard it all. 
And Paul told Timothy, or rather Titus, when he wrote to Titus, he said, some people are so deceived that they actually serve pleasure. They will serve divers' lusts and pleasures. That they, you know, they live for the good time. And I know none of us around here live for football. Football can come and go and it doesn't matter. None of us live for college playoffs, the NBA, the NFL. Oh, none of us worry about fantasy leagues and all those wonderful things. And I'm not saying those things are bad and if you want to have a part of a fantasy league and we got guys I know that in the past, I'm not, that's not the, I'm not, I, in fact, that's the key is, you know, Paul talked about a, a widow in Timothy to the first book of Timothy who lived in pleasure and was actually dead. He, he wrote it and he said, she is dead although she lives. Why? Because she's so caught up in all this stuff. He even told the Corinthian church that verse that I don't like to read, that I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and distress. Now you say, well, he was just crazy. You know, it would be like me saying, I take pleasure in all the COVID problems that we can have. And I take pleasure in this. Well, you say, oh, God, have mercy. Surely not. Pastor, you're nuts. So is there any way that we can enjoy or have fun? And are there, is there anything in the Bible written about it? Because it talks about this big gulf between what, you know, what Moses didn't have the pleasures of Egypt. And Paul talked about living in pleasure and told Timothy and Titus and, and, uh, and in the Corinthian church. And, and so, you know, pleasure and sin for a season. And what, what can I do to have fun? What can I do to have pleasure? So there's some principles, and that's what I'm going to just take a few minutes and talk about. And I know most of you know them, and it's Labor Day, and I don't want to mess your plans up, but here they are. Here are the principles that you can have pleasure. One of them is found in Judges, the seventh chapter. Those of you who are Bible scholars remember the story. Remember a man by the name of Gideon. He tears down an altar to Baal. And about that time, the armies to the north come in and start surrounding the children of Israel. And so Gideon, they have about a million people in their army. So Gideon tries to do his best to raise an army. And he gets 32,000 to come out. And they're going to go fight the Midianites. And they're going to go fight them. Remember the story? And what happens? Gideon stands up, and you know the story. Those of you that may not remember it, you can turn to Judges, the seventh chapter, and read the story. But Gideon basically says, the Lord speaks to him and says, there are still too many of you, so that you will begin to think that, in fact, you had the power and strength to get the victory, and it wasn't through the help of God. And so he said, I'm going to tell you to just stand up and ask all of those that want to go home and if you're afraid. Now imagine you're a general and you're standing in front of your army and you stand and you say, okay, all of those that are afraid, you can go home. You know, you chicken liver, lily, schmears. Huh? 
come on, let's see who's the who's a chicken and who's not. And guess what? Twenty-two thousand of them clucked. <laughs> Pretty significant. I mean, two out of every three leave. <laughs> so imagine in your family, I mean, you know, you got that three people go, okay, I give up. All right. Yep. I, well, you know, I kind of was a little bit of afraid. I don't know. So he's left with 10,000. And so then what did the Lord say about the 10,000? He says, still too many. And so he says, why don't you do this? Why don't you let them refresh themselves? Take them by the water and when watch how they refresh themselves. And you remember what the kicker was? Those that went to the water, stuck their face into the water, and lapped like a dog, he sent them home. But there were 300 that knelt down by the water and they took water in their hand and brought it up to their mouth. That's a principle of how you can refresh yourself in this hour. If you bury your head into your pleasure and forget that I've got a job to do. There's an enemy out there. The Lord's coming soon. If I get so caught up in what I'm doing that I've got my face into it, my whole body into it, and that I'm not somehow still remembering this world is not my home. I, I got a, I've got a mission. I, we're on a mission. There's an enemy out there that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. I, you, you know, and, and one of the, and there's a lot of bad examples. Samson was one who was called to have be a Nazarite vow. And it was for one purpose, that he would destroy the Philistines. And somehow, while he didn't cut his hair, and he didn't drink strong drink and wine and all of that, he still forgot his mission, and he got himself involved in the lust of the flesh. And he got off track. That's right. Yeah. He got lost. He buried his head into what I want as opposed to, you know what? I'm still here, and but I'm an alien. I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim. I'm passing through. I've got a job. I've got to praise the Lord. I've got to keep my eyes lifted up. I've got to keep my eyes on the prize. I can't stop worshiping, praising, magnifying. I know in whom I believe. He could come tomorrow. He could come this hour. He could come before Labor Day. <laughs> but you see, these these soldiers, you know, they didn't take their boots off. They didn't get their clothes all wet. They they were very attentive the whole time. What are you saying? Well, if I can respond in that way, then 
It's okay to be refreshed. The next principle, and I, these are quick, we'll go, go fast. But the next principle is found in 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter. You may not be as familiar with this one, but some of you are. I'm sure it was when David was in the cave of Adullam. Remember? And as a king, David is sitting there in this cave. They've been running from They've been running from Saul. They've been fighting. They've been everything. And David just for a moment gets kind of lost in his, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, musings or, or visions or, or longings or secret desires or whatever it is. And, and he makes the kingly statement, man, I would love to have some water from the wells of Bethlehem. Remember the story? Some of you remember it. It's found in 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter. Three of David's mighty men took that as we can do this to help our king. And they went behind enemy lines and they put their lives in peril, jeopardy, and they made it into Bethlehem, drew out some water, brought it in a jug back to David, remember? And David looked at it. Now is it a sin to drink water? Is it wrong to have a little water? Is it wrong to get refreshment from water? David realized if I've had to put somebody else's life in jeopardy to get my pleasure, this isn't right. I can't do this. I can't allow what I'm doing to have that kind of a negative impact on these three. They could have lost their lives. The Bible says his heart convicted him so much that he uncorked the water. It wasn't that he wasn't grateful. It wasn't that he wasn't thankful what those guys had done. But it was that I can't drink this knowing that it put their lives in jeopardy. And the Bible says he poured it out as an offering to God because my pleasure cannot be at the expense of somebody else. Oh, I want to escape. I don't I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to deal with my wife, my children. My, I want to escape for an hour, for 2 hours, for 3 hours. We've all probably felt that. That's I guess okay as long as it doesn't put anybody's life in jeopardy. As long as everybody knows. Huh? Okay, I'm going to take 30 minutes. I'll be escaping. Is everybody safe? Is everybody okay? I cannot allow my musings or my longings to become manipulative or take advantage of somebody else. Oh, I just wish, I just wish. I don't want to do it. It It's a manipulation. You understand what I'm saying? The third thing, and I know, pressure relief principles in the word was 
Proverbs, the 25th chapter, and there are probably more. I just found these three. Proverbs 25, 16, you may not remember the verse. I put it there because I thought probably nobody would remember it. I didn't really remember it myself until I reread it. And it says, hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. <laughs> so, Honey is great, and I like honey on a biscuit, but you got to keep it in balance. Yes, yes. You can't have all fun, you know, they have the thing, all work, no play, makes Johnny a dull boy, all play, no work, makes Johnny, you know, homeless, whatever it was. <laughs> what are you saying? Everything, anything that gets me out of balance. Right. You know, I can play Candy Crush for an hour, but I can't read the word for an hour. <laughs> I can't pray. I can't talk to God. I can't listen to the Bible. But man, I can play whatever it is. You know? And I understand. And I, I've got grandchildren and, you know, they can chase Tom for an hour and a half and then look at me and say, Papa, when are you going to finish preaching? <laughs> I get it. But they're five and they're, you know, nine. Hopefully we've matured, uh, huh? Am I, is my life in balance? Or am I out of balance? Okay, I'll do this, but then I got to do that. And I got, huh? And this whole life is allowing, you know, God, don't let me get so far off base that I'll, all of a sudden I get too much. Because you, all of this, you know, I, do I spend time with the Lord? Do I spend time with my wife or my husband or my children? Do I spend time in the presence of God? Do I spend money in the presence of God? You know? I used to tell folks some of the things that, you know, well, they, well, is it really wrong? You know, what's the difference in a movie and a theater and a phone? And Okay, well, more than anything, look at the money. What does the money cost? If you can't pay your tithes and you can't give and you can't. Yes, that's right. Huh? Amen. You don't have anything for God, you're out of balance. <laughs> you know. Well, but, you know, are you saying that, well, the size, you know, if it's a four-inch screen, it's okay. But if it's a 30-foot screen, I've, I've, I've had all those questions bombard me. All I would tell you is there's some, also some principles of finance and money and the crowd and what am I doing. And I can't be in the house of the Lord, but I can go do that. But I can't do that, you know. Amen. I complain about God and, you know. But yet I'll dress up to do that. And I, you know, oh, be careful. If I have too much honey before long, it'll do. And these have lots of applications. And I know my time is up. But some things that you just know and you, you recognize that all pleasure is costly. All pleasure is costly. 
Anything that you do is going to cost something. And so you've got to count the cost. That's part of another principle that the Lord talked about building and, and a man that counts the cost. You don't build a tower without counting the cost and, and the pleasure. And I, I preach this and I believe it because, you know, unfortunately, real pleasure is something that you can afford and pay for and then experience. But if you're putting it on your credit card and you're increasing your debt, this is why I've often said Christmas, you know, I'm sorry. I know I want my kids to have a hundred packages at Christmas, but if it takes me till all of next year to pay it off, and I've got to work two jobs in order to buy them an iPad, somewhere I've ought to balance because I'm not seeing them at all, but I've got them an iPad. But I don't get to spend time with them because I'm working three, three jobs to pay off the credit card debt. You, you know what I'm talking about? You say, well, but it's cost and, and that's where, you know, this is why and I put here, even Christmas, a famous holiday, can be a sin. I'm not, you know, if you can't budget yourself, be careful. It's better to take a year break and give each other... My wife and I one year gave each other a refrigerator for Christmas. That's what we saved our money and bought a refrigerator because all we had was just a little one. What are you saying? I'm saying you've got to be careful how balanced you get. Hebrews 12th chapter gives another major application that Jesus had when it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This is why it says, look up. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You see, the real thing that we have to be looking for is not necessarily pleasure, but joy. What brings me joy? Because pleasure is temporary. No matter, you know, how long it takes me to beat level 75 on Candy Crush. When I beat it, 76 pops up. And I'm thinking I would be ultimately happy if I could just, I'm willing to buy the extra coins and spend the extra, huh? Just to beat 75. But then 76 happens. Huh? Whenever I get through with 76, I just am almost certain 77 will be there. It's temporary. No matter what it is, it's temporary. Oh, it can be pleasure, but you know what? The joy should be my goal. Something that I can have regardless of what's going through. You say, well, are you never under pressure? Oh, yeah, I've been under it. I'm under it. Is it a sin to be under pressure? No. But it's just to keep remembering this world is not my home. i got to keep looking up. One day the Lord's coming again. I'll do my best. What do you, why? Be, and find making sure I have a place to get into the presence of Almighty God. And I know that's why you're here. And I, I, I want to just read it to you. In fact, let's, let's stand. Read Psalms, the 16th chapter and the 11th verse. Because this is the key. David said it at the end of this psalm.
He reads this Psalm 16. It's a wonderful song. But he gets to the last verse and he says it like this. Thou wilt show me the path of life. Let's read it together. It's on the bottom here of this page. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures You'll never have fun like you will have in the presence of Almighty God. You will never leave feeling any better than you will leave when you've come into the presence of Almighty God. Oh, you say, but oh, I know if I could just have fun, if I could just go there, if I could just escape. You know what? Whether you're at home watching online or whether you're here in church, you've got to learn how to find a way to escape into your prayer closet and get in the presence of Almighty God. For there is joy in the presence of Almighty God. There is pleasure at His right hand. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands right now. Let's begin to thank the Lord.